When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cool, 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was brewed in the United States. Wait, I forgot. I didn't catch what you were drinking. It's beer, Patrick. It's beer. It's alcohol. No, 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 I didn't catch what kind of beer you were drinking. Oh, it's in a, it's, it's in a koozie. Grata ad frango, solum podcast que latine loquitor es puertuis, Ethan. Y mi nombre es... <laughs> <laughs> As I said, welcome to the Crunchingly Podcast that speaks Latin. It's your boy Ethan. That's what that. It's Google Translate Latin for you. There's probably some some guy out there who's be like, I'd get my PhD in Latin, and that was really bad. But I don't care because it was funny. It's really funny. <laughs> I could probably do great. What's 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 Latin for podcast, Ethan? Um, Socrates. <laughs> Socrates is the only is, is a guy is a guy with a podcast. He's a guy with a podcast. He's a guy with a podcast. <laughs> oh man. They take him out. That's why they gave him the hemlock. It was because his podcast, <laughs> he kept interviewing conservative guests. And so they, they killed him. They massacred him. He, he smoked a blunt with Caesar on his show. And so, so they canceled him. They canceled him. They were like, get out of here. <laughs> That's so funny. Imagine Socrates just as like the old, the ancient Joe Rogan is one of the funniest <laughs> It's just, a really good this is so funny. It's funnier than ironically saying Joe Rogan is the Socrates of our time. Just saying yeah. Socrates is, the, is Joe the Joe Rogan, Rogan of ancient Greece. <laughs> Socrates walking around just doing these massive kicks of punching bags, just like asking people questions, <laughs> oh losing his mind over the Colosseum, like sitting on the side, like oh! it's just uh, it's so funny. It's so funny. <laughs> oh man! All right. All right, that's doing good. whatever the ancient Roman version of Fear Factor is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just <laughs> killing Christians. <laughs> oh man! Oh man, that's funny. It's a good. It's really funny. Yeah, it's a great bit. Welcome to the show. I know. I know. I already asked this question. How are you doing? Doing better. better now. Better yeah. now that I got that Joe Rogan Socrates bit out of my body. <laughs> I'm glad that that exists in the world I'm, now. I feel, I'm I feel glad pretty that good it's about here. That. Yeah, uh, I'm doing. I'm doing so good, man. <laughs> Tell me more. Dude, I, you know, I, I, I had this moment today where I was like, I was looking at my email and I was at home. I was working from home today. And I looked at my wife and I said, the entire screen of my Gmail is crunch related emails. That's pretty cool. It was great. And I know That's what you're thinking. Cool. I, last week on the podcast, I forgot that I said this. I said, everyone email me. <laughs> About three, <laughs> three or four people emailed me. Really like this. That's fine. Um, but, but besides those emails, we got, we got so many, so many cool people that we're talking to that, like we have opportunities to partner with and make the crunch bigger. So like there's, I, I was so happy to, to have all those emails and connect with people. Very good things. 
This is also something that people don't know about Patrick is that if you've ever seen a screenshot of Patrick's phone, you know that he doesn't read any of his text messages no. ever in the Zero. world. Do you delete your emails? Or no. do you just have you just have like a massive how many unread emails are in your inbox right now? How many unread emails are in my inbox right now? What's the over under? What do you uh, think? I think I'm gonna set the over under at five thousand and I'm gonna take the over. Sixty four. 64? Yeah, 64. Oh, okay. I had way more unread emails in my inbox when I was at my peak. Yeah. Yeah. One day I just, I sat down and I unsubscribed from every mailing list that I was a part of. I'm now subscribed to America Magazine's online emails, which I need to unsubscribe Mm -hmm. from because there was a priest who wrote an article about how we shouldn't call priests father. Oh yeah, that's classic. That's and classic, I and yeah. I created a media account so that I could say good article father and uh, and now I, now I get all their emails. <laughs> but they didn't even let the comment stay up. They deleted the comment, which makes Really? Me yeah. Boom. <laughs> I know. I thought that was funny. I that's that really be, funny. Be that's good really for their funny. engagement, you know? Yeah, no, my Just trying my... to spice it up. I love, I love, dude, the comment section in American media articles is so funny. As someone who's written three now, I, it brings me so much joy to watch people comment on my articles because half of them miss the point and half of them are another article (laughs) posted (laughs) beneath mine. Yeah. I, my, my, my evangelization article, I was like, Hey, you know, Catholics, the Catholic lay people got to stop making excuses and evangelize. And their comments were all just, it'd be easy for us to evangelize if it weren't for this excuse and this excuse mm-hmm. and this excuse. I was like, this yeah. is amazing. This yeah. is so good. Yeah. No, I love, I love the, and I love the little respect button you can hit people with. Is there a button that just says respect? Yeah. You can't dislike or like comments. You respect the comment. Can you disrespect the comment? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Respecting the comment does imply a disrespecting <laughs> of the comment, be, but no, you can't be. do that, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just, yeah, no, I, my, my texting and my email habits are very different. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Most people send texts that are, that are readable, legible after the first line. So I read it and I go, cool. And then I put it down and my, I have notification badges turned off on my phone for texting. And so there's no reason to like, hit red all because mm-hmm. I don't need to get rid of the number. I don't see it ever. I will say that in the last six months, you have gotten way better at responding to me in your text messages. Yes. That's because Apple uh, introduced the, the pinning conversations feature. Uh, and good to know that it was because of a technological solution, not any change in your heart. No, towards no, me no, 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 no. <laughs> I pinned, I pinned Phoebe and then I pinned you yeah. And actually, no, that's that's funny. That's how Phoebe figured out that she, that I liked her back when we were in college was that she was talking to um, she was talking to Teresa about me. And uh-huh. she and Teresa was like, Patrick never responds. And she was like, oh, really? He always responds to me. <laughs> that's a giveaway. That's the giveaway. Yeah, that's the did you were you and Phoebe flirting at a time when you could see your number one Snapchat friend? So I don't have Snapchat. You never, you never had Snapchat. Even I had it in high school, college. and then I just oh, okay. didn't get, I didn't get good at it, as they yeah. say. So I just kind of stopped using it. Yeah, that was always an interesting thing because if you thought that like maybe you were flirting with a girl, you check and see who her top friend was, and it was never. I don't know if this is your experience, but it was never. It, it was never you. 
You yeah, know? I did. Not that, re- that, not that that happened to me, but that was like an occasional thing that I heard from other guys <laughs> where like when they would flirt with a girl, it would be th- like three different men other than you. The only the only Snapchat experiences I've had when flirting with a girl are bad ones. So I would my, say so. My Snapchat has only led to my spiritual ruin, which is why I have not logged on. In no, it's not necessarily that like years. I was led to heartbreak. It was more just like, oh no, this is a toxic platform. Like I, my when I was in high school, I used Snapchat because the girl that I was dating for eighteen days, exactly eighteen days, nice. um, she used it. And the last Snapchat I got in high school, I redownloaded it in college for a week. Uh, the last Snapchat I got in high school was um, after a long, a long story. She Snapchatted me a picture of herself crying because of oh. something that I did. Oh, nice. Healthy. Normal. I know. And I was like, and, and so when I, Richard, did you see that tweet about the CEO crying? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> he was like, I had to lay people off, but it was like oh, a picture yeah, of him yeah, crying. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm triggered. So anyway, I got that Snapchat at homecoming because she was like, anyway, it was a big, it was a big to do. It's not worth going into and then I another I was talking to this other girl when I was in in, in between relationships back in 2017, mm-hmm. and she kept like Snapchatting me pictures of her dancing with other guys at clubs, talking about how like clubs. Yeah, it was. Clubs. And I was like, this is not. Um, I was like, if you're crying out for help, I can't do anything about it. So it's a totally different meaning of crying in the club right now. <laughs> no, no she, didn't pick, she didn't send pictures of herself crying, crying in, the in the club. She was crying, yeah, comma, then in the club. She was like, I'm gonna make bad decisions in this club. And I was like, I don't know what you want me to say. Don't. <laughs> what my, are you going to do? My priest told me to delete Snapchat because I kept sending pictures of my guns to ladies. <laughs> he said, Ethan, you got to keep your biceps to yourself. And I said, if you say so, Father. <laughs> <laughs> And then I deleted it because for, I'm an obedient son of the church. Biceps are for one thing and for one thing only. It's for little babies to take a nap on. That's yes. what that's what biceps are for. It's like that's where the baby baby's head goes and he goes to sleep. Yeah, because it's so so soft and squishy. <laughs> it's <laughs> such a safe place for my baby to uh, to lay his little head. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you work out your triceps correctly, it is. If you just work out biceps, it's a weird lump. But if yeah. you if you fill if you fill out your arm, it's a, it's a nice it's a nice uh no, I don't you want my arm to be exclusively exclusively Python Club. <laughs> I just yes, Python Club only. I only do curls. I got these weights over here. They're under sure. the stairs because I don't use them. But when I do, <laughs> like Harry it's, Potter, it's just curls. It is. Those are my. I call them. I call the one on the left. You see him? That's Harry. The one on the right. You see him? Potter. And I go and I when I do it, I go. Bum, 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 and I just crank out reps. <laughs> for hours at a time great (laughs) and i watch all the movies one through eight (laughs) harry potter invented the do you remember back in back in the day when everything was split into two every every finale was split into two that's i mean back in the day as in like as recently as endgame yeah but that was the most recent one and there was like none for a decade yeah because there were no other movie franchises that lasted longer than five movies that's true you know i like I don't, I can't see them making a Fast and Furious movie that's so plot heavy that they have to split it into two films. But I, 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 dis- I, I disagree. I know when in development it was Avengers three and Avengers four. Yeah. Sorry, no, it was Avengers four part one, Avengers four part two. But I don't. 
it didn't become that. The way the Russo brothers wrote the movie was the way the Russo brothers wrote Infinity War was Thanos is the main character and he succeeded at the, at the end. That was how they wrote the story. The okay. Avengers, yeah, the Avengers were not, there was not like a, a plot of the Avengers going through like the Dan Harmon story circle that the Russo brothers used because you ever think about that? How the, the idiot who wrote Rick and Morty trained the guys who wrote like the biggest blockbusters. Is that true? Yeah. Oh, the Russo know. brothers and Dan Harmon worked together on some of the best episodes of Community. I got to say that I never And Arrested Development. That. Now that this is a good segue into the, another thing. Uh, now that Better Call Saul is over, yeah. I don't watch TV. I'm done with TV. It's You're over. You're done with TV altogether. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll dip my toes into a Seinfeld every now and then, you know, just to pass the time. Sure. But I'm, I'm out. No more but Ethan, news, but no Ethan more what happens if what happens if and this is a very unlikely situation what happens if Disney Plus comes out with another Marvel Cinematic Universe television program? Are you going to watch it? Um no because Why not? let me tell you this I yeah. tried uh-huh. I tried I watched Loki yeah. and I watched Moon Knight. Oh, it underwhelming on both accounts. Yeah. Loki could have been so much better because I love all the sci-fi cool. Sure. I mean, I think yeah. there needs to be more wacky. Those are all the things about the cinematic whatever that was cool was the sci-fi time stuff, time multiple babies. universes, fun. But they're just it's 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 not working for me. It's not doing it. They're like, oh, we made it to the end of the timeline, and there's a guy there who's gonna kill us, and it's yeah, and that's yeah. it. I, I'm I'm done. I think I'm just done. I'm only I'm never I decided actually today I deleted every app off my phone, <laughs> including the phone app. It's just a screen. There's nothing on there. I totally <laughs> it's, swipe. Just, it's just a box that I look at. <laughs> has nothing on it. But I decided this today. I'm just I'm not I'm not interested in entertainment anymore. I just want to I just want to do more work. You know, sure. <laughs> I just. Ethan has become the anti-peeper. <laughs> the anti-what? Anti-peeper. What's a peeper? Joseph Peeper. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Leisure. Well, no, I want to do. Culture. I want to do more work. I've become. I would say that I have the the sensibilities of a young Gary Vaynerchuk. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are wearing a long sleeve tee and crossing your arms. Is that what he does? I don't know. Maybe. Let me tell you this: you have to work if you want to be successful. Um, I I was reading a book. Hold on, what was it? Oh, it was Seth. It was Seth Godin's tribe. So Seth Rogen. Seth Godin. <laughs> Are they brothers? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he was talking about like this this young entrepreneur Gary Vaynerchuk started his media empire with like a oh he's a, he's the head of a wine website and I was like really yeah that's, that's how, how Gary V got started yeah he sold wine with his dad nah it's always rich people. Yeah, I saw a tweet today that was like, "I make seven figures a year. My most important habit: writing every day." And I was like, "I feel like that might not be your most important habit, buddy. Your most important <laughs> habit might be like is having a dad that was really into New York real estate in the seventies. That's your most yeah. important habit. My most important <laughs> habit is being the son of someone who owns a lot of land. Can I? This is, I saw a really funny. Uh, I don't know. I think it was a TikTok, but it was really funny. It was like. As a as a millionaire, this is my daily routine. I get up early and I go on a quick workout. Then I come home and I make my bed. After that, I go on a quick seven-mile run. And after I get back, I make some food. Then I make my bed again and go on another quick seven-mile run. And just like that, yeah. goes through that. That's really funny. It's really that's good. all of those. It's just all they do is work out and make their bed. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> that's it? That's all it takes? So then you answer emails and then you... 
and then you go to bed. That's do you want to know thing. my you want to know my secret for making my bed? Make sure making sure that my bed is made every day. Tell me. I have a wife who does it for me. Whoa! Hey, look at this. Yeah. It, we're, it, welcome to the Catholic Gentleman Podcast. It's your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's not my fault she wakes up last. It's well, like it a, is. It is it's just like a, It's just like a picture of black and white G.K. Chesterton being like, <laughs> the only reason my bed is made is because my wife does it for me. That's, that's the what, only reason my bed is made. If I did really? not have a wife, my bed would not be made. And that's I, make because, my, I make my bed. I make our bed. Let me rephrase. Probably three or four days out of seven. Like it's it's split split pretty evenly because there's some evenly. days where uh, when so because Emma babysits and so on the days where she doesn't babysit she's sleeping in you know a sure bit, so I don't make the bed but on the days that she's up and about or like on the weekends usually I'm the one making the bed interesting but it's also we've hacked the system yeah this is something I recommend to everybody get rid of the top sheet you don't need it it just complicates <laughs> the whole business and we have we have very simple throw pillows a lot of people have like 18 25 throw pillows what we do we have three large throw pillows so all i do is i shake out the comforter sure lay it out underneath the pillows that we sleep on and then put on two big white pillows and then one big <laughs> rust colored pillow yeah and then the bed's made it's done nice. done in 30 seconds easy it's i it's a hack is all I'm saying. We have a we have a very old comforter that we it's like a very thin old it's a summer comforter and we mm. do use a top sheet. I, my problem with top sheets is that my foot always gets tangled up in it <laughs> at the bottom. Yeah, and then I like can't get out of bed. I don't know what to tell you, man. The I'm top stuck. sheet's nice. Well, we we recently had to redo the way we we don't tuck our sheets because we we alternate what direction of the bed we're sleeping on. What? <laughs> Listen, man. Oh, no, 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 no. What do you What do you mean? You need <laughs> lay this out for me geographically. So, like, please. you know, how there's four places on a bed your head can be. Yes. Phoebe and I regularly have have our heads in different places on the bed. You're you're telling me you your nose to foot on a regular basis. Sometimes, yeah. Oh. <laughs> That's wild. What do you do? What do you do when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like, oh, I would like to give my wife a little smooch. In the middle of the night, do you just kiss her feet? More, more usually the calf. Okay. <laughs> no, just because it's just because some nights Leo needs to co-sleep. That's fair. I yeah. respect that. I totally understand. What happens? So sometimes, sure. Not, not my wife, but there are some women that kick in the middle of the night. She does not kick. kick Phoebe doesn't kick. Okay. She doesn't kick. Although so when just are okay. Yeah, we're just switching, switching it up. I mean, well, the first the first change was we switched sides of the bed because the, the crib didn't fit on Phoebe's side of the bed. So we switched, switched sides of the bed. And then she was like, I want to see him. And so we switched. Back? We switched. No, no, no. So the, the crib, uh, the so way you that did our. So you, you did a horizontal flip and then a, a vertical flip. Yeah. You know how like on Microsoft Publisher when you hit flip horizontally, flip yes, quickly? Yes, that's exactly what, what I was that's thinking. That's what we did. Yes. That's what we did. You did a hamburger flip, then a hot dog flip. <laughs> exactly. And yes. now we're just a quarter full. Yes. So my my head has been my head has slept on three out of four of the corners of my bed by now. Huh? That's, I've that's not a, slept. That's a I've cool not, yeah. speed run challenge. Yeah, I have not it's... slept where my feet have been, and Phoebe has not slept where her feet have been. But wow. we've slept where each other's feet have been, and that is what marriage is all about. That's deep. That's crazy to me, because I think sometimes I come out of a dream. <laughs> and I'm like yeah. scared, you know, uh-huh. and like all I want is just to like snuggle up close to my wife. I think if I saw a foot instead of her face, <laughs> I would probably piss myself. 
Listen, the only person who pees in my bed is Leo. All right. For now. For now. Give it time. One of these days. Oh, man. All right. Well, that's the show. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks for coming. Guys. Thanks, Thanks for coming, everybody. Remember, if you, uh, remember, before you get married, get rid of that top sheet. Just Get rid of the top thing. sheet. Make and, sure you uh, wash your feet good every night. Before every night. Because you never know when your wife's face is going to be right on your foot. <laughs> that's one uh, of those phrases that people always say. Um, you want to do a topic? I do. How do you feel about a topic? I do feel about a topic. I'm reading this book by Robert Hugh Benson. Oh, let's go. I thought I needed to pull up a topic. No, I got one. It's It'll be a... It, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I've been proven wrong when I thought there wasn't much meat on the bones, but... Okay. Um, I'm reading this book. Let me tell you a story. Okay. I haven't read a book... In probably six months. Sure. <laughs> been, been, we've been we've been rising and grinding a lot here at the Crunch. Been rising. Well, I wouldn't say that. I've been no. doing a lot of um, sleeping and eating. Okay. <laughs> and I've been doing I've been, a lot of yeah. snoozing and snoozing and chewing, cruising, <laughs> snoozing and cruising. Sleeping okay. and eating rhymes just as much as rise and grind does. So. Yeah. Um, side note: a tweet that I almost made today but did not make today was. Uh, work smarter, not farter, and <laughs> just sitting and then, on that and one, then comment, the right comment underneath harder with, a, with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. People will think it was a mistake. Yeah, because Twitter doesn't have an edit button. Yeah, unless you have Twitter Blue. You follow me, Ethan underscore Crunch, if you wanna. Just get Brocostle back, man. I don't want. I don't. Brocostle is a different guy. No, dude. I I thought the I same don't thing. I go thought back. the same thing. I was like Patrick Nevy the third. I'm gonna switch my Catholic Pat's done. No, but people remember Catholic Pat and Bro Apostle. I don't. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to be. You don't Bro care. Anymore. You don't want to. You want to be remember. You want to be memorable. If they already remember me, why do I need to remind them of myself? No, no, no. People people remember Bro Apostle more than they remember Ethan. People remember Catholic Pat more than they remember Patrick Nevy. That's just how it works. That's why. That's, that's fine. why. That's why Joel changed his name on Instagram to Chasing Humility because it's easier to remember. Then JT Stepanek. Should I change my name or my user? Like my your at you change your handle. Oh. Wait, was your was your was your name Bro Apostle as well? No, no. Yeah, no, no, I didn't think it was. It was Ethan Stevie at Bro Apostle. Dude, just change it to Bro Apostle. It's so I, memorable, man, I and hate, it's funny. I hate Twitter. What if I someone know. else took it? You're telling me you didn't save it? No one else took it. I deleted the account. Someone else could have taken it. No, tell me no one else took it. You can look right now. I will. I don't have the app on my phone because, as I said, my phone is just a devoid husk of glass and metal. Right. Propostle isn't taken. You got to take right. it now. All right, fine. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it later. No, I'm do reading it now. <laughs> I'm not doing. No, I'm trying to do a topic live on the pod. Okay. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Crunch. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure is a stimulating intellectual conversation, but I wanted to pause the episode real quick to let you hear from some of our sponsors. We will be back right after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly, but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I read a book. I'm read. I haven't read a book. I'm 30 pages in. I'm reading a book. <laughs> Classic <laughs> by Robert Hugh Benson. Which did you know that he was? Uh, he was originally ordained an Anglican priest. Oh. but then I didn't uh, know priests could be. Uh, I didn't know bees could become Anglican priests. What? I'm assuming he's related to Barry. <laughs> <laughs> the little laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing that a lot lately where I'll like make just a really stupid joke on purpose. Like I'm trying to think of something the other day. Um, I was talking about like of some like Emma made like an apple cobbler or something. Cool. And I said, this cobbler is rated E10 plus. <laughs> and she's like, what? And I said, I'm about to be E10, this, this apple cobbler. And, and I went, ha. And she was, <laughs> And she's like, what was that noise that just came out of your mouth? I was like, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. Just, make, just, just put the cop in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm reading this book by Barry B. Benson. And it, uh, he was an Anglican priest, but he, he uh, and his dad was the Archbishop of Canterbury. So like his dad nice. was a big, big deal in the Anglican world. And his dad died. And so Robert Hugh Benson was in, like got sent to the Middle East or something and was praying and contemplating and learning. Very learned man. Decided that the the claims of the Catholic Church were true, converted to Catholicism, and he wrote what is widely considered to be the first dystopian novel. Oh, really? Uh, Lord of the World. I just read his Wikipedia article before this podcast. If you cool. Um, Lord of the World, and it's essentially it's like a proto Father Elijah. Highly recommend. Interesting. Cool. Uh, because it is about like the coming of the Antichrist, and it's it's very 1984 ish in the mm-hmm. fact that. There's kind of the um, the Chinese and Japanese c- combined to take over most of Asia, and then you have sort of the Russian European Empire, and then mm-hmm. you have the American Empire taking up the rest of the world. So there's just these three massive empires, and it's set in 2007, but he wrote it in 1907. So it's kind of this oh, like, okay. looking forward, understand? Look, like communism is coming around. There's all these socialists in Parliament. Like I think there was just this trend amongst English men in the early 1900s to kind of anticipate things being a lot worse than they actually ended up being. But yeah. they were also kind of right because the, the Holocaust and all that stuff. So like they were entirely wrong. Um, but so he's, and people were really, people were really taking over the world back then. They really yeah. were. They I were mean, there like, was, a, they were yeah. doing it. Napoleon, there was a lot of stuff. He yeah. was doing stuff. Napoleon was, was knocking around Stalin, Lenin, yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> so I'm reading this book and there's just kind of this introduction. I, I don't really know the whole extent of the story, although there's um, it's it is kind of it's it's very good. I highly recommend everybody to read it. But what I want to point out is this bit from the p- prologue where these two priests, because Catholicism is the only Christian denomination that exists anymore, because it's the only one with any kind of authority. And so all the Protestant denominations dissolved. Yes, essentially. That's which makes sense. Yeah. I mean, this is something that we have to we have to come to terms with. Is that if 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 uh, if church and state are ever reunited in the way that the the that 
that uh, classical liberalism defines the church and the state, mm -hmm. uh, it will just become random branches of Protestantism that are adopted by the state and then they'll yeah. all end. That's just what yes. will happen. Right. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's kind of describing Catholicism. He's describing, it's kind of like a recap for the reader and it's under the form of a, a priest coming to a very old guy and asking like, what happened? Because the history is not very accurate in like the state sponsored media and all that stuff. So he's trying to learn all this stuff. And so he's talking about all these different in 2007 in 2007. He's talking about all these factions. And this is really interesting to me. Mm -hmm. There were a couple of things in here that are incredibly prescient. I think Classic. Uh, just uh, to a, to an alarming degree. I just want to talk about some of them because I think they're cool. interesting. I like this kind of dystopian book where the predictions are like extrapolations of what is as opposed to just weird uh, allegories for what's happening. Yeah. For an opinion, you know, I'm thinking of Handmaid's Tale specifically. Sure. You know? I was thinking of like Hunger Games. <laughs> I was thinking of like Hunger Games where it's like, yeah, this is a dystopian novel, but really it's like just kind of a metaphor for what's happening. Well, no, I was just thinking like, oh, this is my new dystopian novel. It's about teenagers having sex, but the government is different. <laughs> that's, that's really the whole thing, you know? So uh, that's divergent also to, to a T. But so th this, is the, this is the quote. So he's talking about different factions that have come up. He's talking about humanitarianism, uh, which is this religion, quasi-religion political movement. So humanitarianism, it has a creed. The creed is God is man and all the rest. It has therefore a real food of a sort to offer to religious cravings. It idealizes and yet it makes no demand upon the spiritual faculties. Um, they have the use of all the churches except ours and all the cathedrals, and they are beginning at last to encourage sentiment. Then they may display their symbols and we may not. I think they will be established legally in another 10 years at the latest. So he's talking about these humanitarians who have this creed that god is man mm, interesting which just like the simple way that he puts it this is very this is very unique to the to the men who wrote in england in this time period the early 20th century where they just would say things in such a direct and like clear way that you're like oh that's what that is so i read that yeah and i was like oh god is man is like the truth of the incarnation but at the same time, if you just twist it a little bit, it can be made to be like the health of humanity and the existence of humanity is our God. And that uh, I think that's prescient because of everything that we're seeing with uh, you, especially them talking about the symbols that they're allowed to display and the symbols that the Catholics are not allowed to display. This this is a crazy thing to me because you you put up Joker voice, you put up a, a rainbow flag, nobody bats an eye, you put up a vatican flag and everybody loses their mind you know yes um it's same thing with the the black lives matter flag and with the uh you know the transgender flag all these things there are these defined symbols of what it means to be to treat man as your god the health of man the success of man the glory of man triumphing over everything else yes um being the religion and understanding this is the key thing through all of these passages that i'm going to read this is the key thing about what he highlights that I think is important for me to understand is that these people are not crazy. Like the people in our world who are, who wave the, the rainbow flags, who go to pride parades, who are black lives matter supporters, who are whatever, right? I don't, I don't really care about the politics stuff. I, I'm just listing types of people in yes. the generalization. Just listing um, guys. I'm listing guys. New guy just dropped. And 
the we need to treat them with respect because at the core of what they're looking for is a religious experience. They just want something bigger than themselves. Mm-hmm. And when humanity is their God, then it starts to make a lot of sense why they're marching through the streets and arguing with people and yelling and fighting for legislation. And I, I thought, and, and that's why they don't want Christian symbols to be displayed because it would be, it's the same thing that we're experiencing, but in the reverse direction. And I sure. feel like we don't have a lot of empathy for that kind of position, you know? Yeah, I think that's I think that's true. I was talking to someone about this on the internet a couple of days ago. I was talking to them about nice. transgender um, ideology, and I asked them. I was like, okay, so there's a social structure in place where the only two the the saying goes right. Like, there's a social structure in place where there's only two genders that are conceivable, and then there's an alternate. Uh, and the, the, the claim is that that's just a social construct. Those two genders are merely a social construct. And so, you know, there's many genders, et cetera, et cetera. And my question was, you know, well, what makes one social construct better than the other? That was my question. Mm-hmm. Uh, what makes the binary gender construction, if gender is a social construction, what makes the binary one bad and the, not, the, the non-binary, the gender fluid one, good? And I think that's an interesting question. Um, like for instance, if 20 years from now, everyone decided, you know what, uh, it's actually dumb. Uh, we're going to go back to the binary. Would that be a step forward or a step backward and why? And someone was, you know, well, because it includes more people. And my question and response was, well, why does inclusivity need to be the yardstick? You know, mm-hmm. is, is that, is that the yardstick? Yeah. It was a good conversation. It wasn't like antagonistic. They, and it wasn't me. I wasn't like, Oh, well, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't dunking. And also, I wasn't saying inclusivity is a bad yardstick. I just want to know yeah. where that is. Like, what right. what by what authority do you teach? You know? Yeah. Um, but what the reason why I bring that up is because what you said about if, if humanity, if, if God is man, then inclusivity is a is a is like a, is a really high. It's a high virtue. It's a high virtue. Yeah. And my, yeah. my response to that was like, well, I mean, they were saying society is based on inclusivity, but I don't think that's true because society is constructed with exclusivity as well. Like that is my family. Yes. And not yours. Yes. And like, this is, you know, this is mine and this is yours and there needs to be boundary. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like society also has boundaries. It has exclusion in it as well. And I think we just need to be careful when we talk about diversity and inclusivity as paragons of virtue, because taken to, because we all have a limit of what that means Mm -hmm. in our brains. That's probably very sensible but it'll just keep going, <laughs> you yeah. know, like it'll just, it'll, 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 it'll come to, you know, it, it'll come to some like crazy ends if we're not, if we're not careful. Yeah. I mean the, the stated ends of, of, uh, communism. Sure. Yeah. Where, where everything, sense. yeah. Where everything is, 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 is belongs to the state essentially. And we're all inclusive with respect to the state as yep. opposed to, as opposed to the true vision, which is that we're all, we share everything in the name of Jesus, which is what they did in Acts chapter two, you yes. know, they had all things in common. Did you have that Bible that had that heading in Acts two that said Christian socialism? <laughs> I can't say that I did. I had that. I had that version. I was always like, that's weird. That's a, weird <laughs> that's a weird thing to way to put it because uh, socialism is a 20th century movement. It doesn't make any sense to have uh, yeah. a state-owned a, means of production. <laughs> I had an AP that's advanced placement European history teacher who was formerly a Lutheran pastor, I think, who also had a problem with his eyes. 
where I think I think he had like legit like a, a surgery with his eyes that just made them. I don't know what was going on with his eyes. Sure. He'd always look at the ceiling. He never looked at you, but he was always looking at the ceiling. He'd be like, some would argue that Jesus of Nazareth was a communist. And he would just say that all the time. Not sure where he was going with it. Yeah. He was never on a test, but uh-huh. he would always, he would always say would that. Say it. And he had this, there was a unrelated, but one time someone pooped in his recycling bin. <laughs> And so at the beginning of the year, beginning of every semester, he would say, reminder of the rules, do not defecate in the recycling bin. And it just was always the most, most, that class was the most incredible class that I ever had because it was, he could not, he was so smart. He was such a good teacher. He knew a lot about European history, Sure, but he just, because he was always looking up at the ceiling, he never knew what was going on in his room. And so there was just all kinds of things flying around. People talking (laughs) to each other, getting up, walking out, walking back in. It was chaos, (laughs) but it was, I probably, I did, I did leak a little pee because I laughed so hard in that class. (laughs) Sophomore of high school. Did you do it in the recycling bin? Well, I mean, if I was a decent man, I would have, but please do not defecate in the recycling bin. Please do not defecate. In the recycling bin. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. Track there. Uh, I'll, so I'll read. So there's another. another humanitarianism. Yeah, humanitarianism. Uh, there, and so he, he continues this and he starts talking about how few Catholics there are uh, in, in all the different places. And he says, then there is the enormous progress of psychology all clean against us for at least a century. First, you see, there was materialism, pure and simple that failed more or less. It was too crude until psychology came to the rescue. Now psychology claims all the rest of the ground and the supernatural sense seems accounted for. Yeah. I, and that was, I liked that a lot. That's so good. Yeah. It's phenomenal because materialism can't answer why you love things, but psychology yes. can. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and it just started making me think again, just thinking about the very similar to things with the, the symbols and the images of the of different flags and and how you can post these and how you can't post across and, and or all this that and the other thing, um, but the the idea of gender theory, the idea of having pronouns or needing to identify pronouns, the idea of being uh, something we were just talking about, being neurodivergent or neurotypical or whatever, even sure, yeah. even things like ADHD, mm-hmm. being extroverted and introverted, all these things are. A psychology, psychologizing, I don't know if that's a word, um, psychologizing your experience as a human being and giving it terms, which essentially what people are grasping for is something greater than themselves that they can make an appeal to. Yeah. Right? This is this way because of this immutable principle that exists for more people than just myself. Right. Sure. That's why that's why the pronoun thing is so powerful to so many people. That's why the gender theory, you know, the non I'm not binary, you know, all this mm-hmm. stuff. That's why that's so powerful to people. That's why identifying as ADHD or neurotypical neurodivergent or whatever is so powerful to people because it's an appeal to something greater than themselves. Because psychology takes it like lifts itself above the human experience and says, Yes, yeah. Like all of these things I I can see from up here as a psychologist. And well, and now I'm going to diagnose you as this way. You have this test. It's which, which again is an inversion of the Christian claim, which is God sits above us, but looks at us and says, you are my son or you are my daughter. And that's what he gives us. 
as opposed to you are neurodivergent. <laughs> you, you are you are actually you you know you are actually a female in a male's body. You are actually your pronouns are they them. You know what, mm-hmm. name your number your thing. Um, but that but that's another thing that I think Christians have to understand is that when people are arguing these things, that's they are arguing for the incarnation in the Trinity. Like that's that, that's their dogma that they're arguing about because that's the only appeal to something bigger than themselves that they have. Sure. And this is and, not in a way yeah. that's like you can't say that to people though. Please don't right. say that to anyone. It's not correct. It's not I'm just trying to help people understand. Yeah. But like I think the <laughs> All of that is true, but this, I don't know. It just feels kind of dunky to be like. It's only dunky if you. It reminds me of that meme that's like, I would go to school if this was the book and this was the bus and this was the homework and this was the teacher. You know what I mean? It's like that, but with. What do you mean? You ever ever see that meme? I don't know. It's like, I would go to school if this was the teacher and it's like a picture of Elon Musk and this was the bus and it's a Tesla and this was the homework and it's. Hey, now, I don't know what else is smoking yeah. weed, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that, sure. but it's like you know, making fun of someone for being like, I would go to, I would go to religion if this was the god, and it's yes. extra humanity. You know, it, it's right. It, that, that this, this is, is not effective in a way of actually interacting with these people, but it's yeah. W- but I, what I'm trying to impress is, or with it in ourselves, I think is another. Yes. Yeah. But the the understanding needs to be. Like, hmm. uh, that this has, well, I, I think we actually need to understand that there's a, an effect that the psychology that's been so deeply ingrained in everything, mm-hmm. that has an effect on everybody. And there are people out there who have taken it more seriously and, and elevated it to, a, to the place of a religion in that they worship it and are obedient to it. Mm-hmm. where And you notice this because there are people out there who are identify as, let's just take ADHD as an example. Harmless. You're allowed to be ADHD. I think it's real. I'm not saying it's fake. But there are people out there who are so convinced of their identity as an ADHD person that they will do more things that are ADHD, quote unquote, than if they just were not hyper aware of that fact. Sure. Right? Which is, again... This is what I'm saying. This is like the inverse. Like the more aware I am that I am a son of the father, the more I'm going to act like a son of the father. Mm-hmm. I'm going to act like I have an inheritance coming to me. And so that's why I'm talking about this as like a, an inversion or like a different sort of dogmatic or identity belief that you have about yourself. Ah, yes. There's nothing wrong sense? with having an identity and acting more like that thing because you have that identity. We all do this. This happens yes. with people who are labeled as criminals. They are labeled as such. And so they do more crimes. Uh, this happens with, this problem with, children yes you know this you are the problem child. problem yeah. child this happens we're doing with, psychology right now this happens with bad student no yeah. no i think this is uh, this is this this happens whenever we adopt an identity this yeah. is what we do we just say well this is my identity it's who i am and so we have this box right mm-hmm. <clears throat> and i think i think what you said was is is it's very is very is intuitive um i think it, it speaks this a little more is that you know i am a unique and unrepeatable son of the father <clears throat> I have a frog in my throat. I'm going to behave more like that. Um, <laughs> uh, instead of acting more like, I don't know. I, I don't think that's psychology. I think that's just human nature. Sure. It's like, this is, if you, if you say that you're gonna, 
if you label someone as such, they're going to act that way, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Psychology just gives a name to it. Sure. Yeah. Psychology says that it's like, it doesn't change the truth of the, what happens with your identity. It just makes it easier to slot yourself into something, Mm -hmm. um, which because it's hard, it's hard to identify as a son because it's so intrinsic Mm-hmm. to an certain extent yeah you know, it's not something you just like eh, right like i am like my dad like my human dad is... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my my life with a human dad my gym partner's a monkey um the i like it's if you were to say like what's it like being a son of your dad well it's like there's so many things yeah. to that like sure. there's no not one thing that you can just narrow it down to. Like I have, mm-hmm. especially now that I'm getting older and I'm married, like I hear my dad come out when I say things to Emma, you know? <laughs> yeah. which is just, it's horrifying. Cause it's like, <laughs> Oh, my dad is, is, he's in me. He's there. He's like, <laughs> he's I, there. I, yeah. <laughs> and he comes out and just in these weird scenarios. And so it's like, okay, my dad isn't just how he treated me when I was ages four to 18, mm-hmm. you know, like my, my dad shaped me and for me. Same with my mom. Right. So when you can, the problem is, is that yes, people have like real psychological conditions, Mm -hmm. but when you just slot yourself into one of those things or two of those things, you are, this is what he's saying when like psychology takes all the rest, like you then lose the ability to see a complete picture of who you are because you're only looking at yourself through the one lens Mm -hmm. or the Mm -hmm. two lenses or the three lenses. Yeah, I think I think that the psychology piece. I said this earlier that it 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 accounts for what materialism can't account for. Because I think the most the most powerful uh, anti-materialist argument is just a con- that human beings have a concept of what love is and what justice is, mm-hmm. and those things are not material. And you can say that they're chemicals running through my brain, but they're yeah. not. I just know yeah. that that's true. But then you can say like, oh, well, you know psychology it's nature and nurture it's learned and unlearned behaviors it's like oh okay that's the immaterial things are accounted for by psychology i think that's very that's that's an, that's yeah. a very deep insight especially so early psychology's not that old no this no, is no, written a no. hundred and some years ago this is, yeah 1907 huge yeah he saw it coming baby dude his, his guy's smart I'll, I'll read two more things and then we can then we can move on um He's talking about, you remember how we talked about how the UN is the closest the world will ever get to the Catholic Church? Yes. The, One again, of the most galaxy brain takes you ever had. Thank you. I Apparently, I'm not the I'm not the first one because Robert Hugh Benson. Oh, no. <laughs> Let me read you this. I felt, I was like so validated, but also I was like, dang it. <laughs> I've had that happen. Uh, he says, all this last century has been leading up to it, as you see. Patriotism has been dying fast. I think when he says patri- patriotism here, he means like nationalism in the sense that we talk about it now, not the virtue of patriotism. Oh, okay. Um, uh, nationalism has been dying fast, and it ought to have died, like slavery and so forth, under the influence of the Catholic Church. As it is, the work has been done without the Church, and the result is that the world is beginning to range itself against us. It is an organized antagonism, a kind of Catholic anti-Church. Democracy has done what the divine monarchy should have done. If the proposal passes, I think we may expect something like persecution was born. I thought that was really great. Like he essentially just says like the globalism is encroaching. 
nationalism and like patriotism dedication to your own nation is just slowly falling by the wayside mm-hmm. and democracy which is just letting these decisions up to the people has done what divine monarchy failed to do which is such a that's such a powerful line oh, yeah. divine monarchy was meant to through the through the power of the king right and his and his faith that catholicism and the truth of christ would spread throughout his land yes and that failed because the kings uh-huh. were corrupted. <laughs> yes. I mean, this happened in this happened in the Bible. So this is not like a new thing. Yeah, right? this is not. Yeah. Um, but democracy achieved that, but just on the anti-Catholic side, where it's now we're all united under the banner of you know Amazon and the United Nations and uh, <laughs> just like the global entertainment industry and sure. all of that stuff, right? Like we're all united under that flag, and so it's like. It's it's kind of a perverse, and again, he's just pointing out all the inversions, which I love. It's the inversion of the church mm-hmm. to be a member of the global state because you're united, but what are you united for? Why are you united? So really that you no can yeah. get goods easier, so that you can travel faster, so that it's simpler to live. There's more convenience, you know. This that, one you know. of the one of the cool things about like one of the cool things about the the monarchical like nationalism patriotism of the of the past was like if you read if you read shakespeare's accounts of of these like ancient battles which is like you know i don't know it's 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 shakespeare so you can't you can't be like this is history but he talks about the battle of um of agincourt and the um the instructions that henry v gave to his army about like Hey, we're we're doing this for England, mm-hmm. but remember, like these Frenchmen are our brothers in Christ, so yeah. we can't just murder them senselessly. Uh-huh. And that's a really interesting yeah. combination, right? Even yeah. though Henry V did commit war crimes, that's fine. Um, <laughs> he did end up killing all of his prisoners, but in the heat of battle, you know. <laughs> There was a trial set. Verily, I say unto thee, get thee to Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> it's me, Shakespeare. Talking it's me, about it's me, Shakespeare. Guantanamo Bay. Uh, you know, it's, that's an interesting. That's an interesting sentiment, right? It's like the, the the idea that you could, you could say, you know, hey, we're gonna go fight for our, our we're gonna go fight our brothers, but like we're not going to kill them senselessly. We're going to. You know, take it's back. also yeah. important to note that throughout history, our national armies were not a thing. No, like when up until I don't know, four hundred, five hundred years ago, uh, most of the armies were all conscripted or not conscripted. Like they would like, mm-hmm. were, like you would hire them, and so yeah, uh, like you had to would, pay for you it. Had pay, you had to raise and, the money. Yeah, yeah, and and so you'd have if you wanted to go to war, you'd have to raise the money. You'd be like, from the lords. Yes, yeah. you get some Swiss guys, you get some French guys, you get some English guys, you get some German. Like you just would get whoever wants to go to war, and you would put them all together, and then you would go to war. Like it was very, you know, Dragon Ball Z Fortnite esque, where you just kind of <laughs> picked different characters and put them together. Sure. And you had Rick Sanchez fighting alongside Darth Vader, but it was in 1285, yeah, you know, yeah. in mainland Europe. Um, but that's what you did, and so this is why this is like to us like nationalism patriotism is so ingrained in like everything because mm-hmm. like the 20th century just wrecked every possible thing that there could have been um besides just even before then like that was set up by the napoleonic conflict that was set up by the, the whatever so like 
we don't understand this, but when he's talking about this nationalism and this patriotism kind of dying out, it's like it had been a trend for several hundred years at that point uh, for nationalism to be like as strong as it possibly could be. And that's what led to World War One. Right. So this yes. is like a, a crazy profound prediction that he's making because in 1907 nationalism is the highest that it ever got you know and and he's he's saying 100 years in the future it's all it we're all going to be one global empire which is that to me was like the fact that he predicted that was so nuts like such a profound absolute absolutely great prediction i love five head i love it (laughs) the uh gk chesterton's book um the napoleon of notting hill starts off with a prologue about how history's favorite game is called cheat the prophet uh-huh where the it, it we play this game called cheat the prophet where we uh we read what people's predictions were 100 years ago and we do the opposite <laughs> of what they did yes uh to, to prove them wrong and he goes i'm not playing that game and then he's like 100 years in the future everything exactly the same <laughs> <laughs> that's funny <laughs> yeah it's great this is the last thing I'll read because uh, I and this is the the most interesting one because it hasn't come true yet his prediction but I think Uh-oh. it will. Um, so he says the priest is asking the old man what about the fall of the universities? He said, my dear father, it was exactly like the fall of the monasteries under Henry VIII. The same results, the same arguments, the same incidents. They were the strongholds of individualism, uh, as opposed to communism, not individualism in the radical way that we sure. understand it. Um, They were the strongholds of individualism as the monasteries were the strongholds of papalism, and they were regarded with the same kind of awe and envy. Then the usual sort of remarks began about the amount of port wine drunk, and suddenly people said they had done their work, that the inmates were mistaking means for ends, there was a great deal more for saying it. After all, granted the supernatural, religious houses are an obvious consequence, but the object of secular education is presumably the production of something visible, either character or competence, and it became quite impossible to prove that the universities produced either, (laughs) which was worth having. So that's like, I think it's a good prediction. It just hasn't hasn't come true yet. Yeah, I think it's happened yet. That people observe that the universities are really not producing any of the the concrete tangible goods that they claim to produce, which in his argument are character or competence. Yes. I think, I think we're getting there. You know, I think that we're at least in America, we're not too far away from a big university bubble popping, whether or not that means they're all going to be destroyed in the way that he talks about it or like sacked by noblemen. uh, Cause he's comparing that allusion to, to the monasteries. Interesting. You know Uh, what? Okay. What, I mean, really, what if Elon Musk starts buying up public universities? It's exactly what I was thinking. Because yeah. you know the guys that are so anti-education are the yeah. huge wealthy guys who are like, I didn't use my college education. Right. Um, yeah, no, that's so true. Because like, I mean, I think, I think when you hear critiques of the universities, the first thing you think of is the conservative reaction of they're too liberal. But I yeah. honestly think that even, even liberals don't like colleges. Mm-hmm. You know, no one likes yeah. colleges. Right. Colleges are, are this weird this weird dance that you have to do to be allowed to be middle class. You know, mm-hmm. like you <laughs> you have to you have to get a degree of some kind. Yeah, and you have to you know. This is just interesting because I think we're we're gonna reach a, an inflection point where the state. I'm just gonna talk about public universities for now, and we can talk about private universities. But for public universities, 
this tuition is going to keep going up and up and up because there's going to be increased requirements at the federal level for diversity, equality, and inclusion programs and, and all these things. So you have to hire more and more people to take care of that stuff. And so the tuition rate is going to go up and up and up. And eventually people are going to say like, this really is not worth the loan. So attendance is going to start going down, 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 and down, yes. and down. And it's going to become like an, an improfitable thing for the state to be involved in education because there's all these rules and regulations by the government for what you have to do and not enough people coming to fulfill, you know, the monetary needs for all that stuff. And the state assistance is only going to take it so far. So I think states are going to have to start selling off these universities mm -hmm. in order to not be in just total millions and millions of dollars of debt every year. Um, and I think it's going to go up to a vote and it's going to be controversial. And in some states are going to keep them and some states are going to sell them off. But eventually it's highly likely that, billionaires or giant funds or whatever are going to acquire these universities and you know will people still go i don't know but uh it just seems like we're on that trajectory so sure. yeah it's just an interesting interesting thing to think about well i mean what'll probably i mean the the reason why the monasteries were sold off was so that the lords could make more money yes the lords made more money and so what is there in a university to make money off of it's you have this futurist prediction of what the market is going to need mm -hmm. and you buy a university that has the staff that's capable of educating those you just change all the course curriculum right. to fit and to you fit funnel you yeah. funnel graduates right into right into into your companies i mean yeah. that's a that's a that's a that's a brilliant idea yeah wish i had thought of it and then it's going to be and then <laughs> i'll shake my be... head i'll be the next bezos and we're just going to have bigger and bigger companies and they're, they're going to stop being broken up because it's just going to be too much of a hassle for everybody to break up these companies. And you're just going to, I'm going to be going to Amazon U and <laughs> working in their energy division. And that's going to be, and I'm going to be a you know lever pusher. It is? You know how hard it is to break up a monopoly now? It's impossible. It's, it's, you can't do it. It's There's impossible. going to be guys that graduate just to do the widgets and do put the thing in and take the thing out and pull the lever. And like, that's, that's going to be it. Yeah. You know? Unless, of course... And it's gonna be it's gonna be really weird because all these grad college it's gonna be a, it's gonna look weird to us because all these college graduates are gonna have assembly are gonna have the jobs that are of the same like skill level they're gonna be a skill level that used to be valuable but it's also going to be the, the work itself is going to be as menial as an assembly line Correct. an industrial revolution assembly line yeah but it's like. It's not going to be working class. It's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Everyone learn a trade now while it's, before it's too late. Right. <laughs> so I don't have I, I don't have anything else. That was just from the prologue of this book. I think it's really really good from what I've read so far. I think everybody should pick it up. Uh, I was I was just it's the first book I picked up in a long time. And I was just very grateful that this is the one I grabbed because it's like okay, let's just refresh the brain a little bit and yeah, just start start reading something cool. new. So um, thanks. I want to start. I want to start writing fiction. Yeah, I was Ooh. I was on a I was on a big fiction writing kick. You know this. I was on a big fiction writing kick while yeah. I was on paternity paternity leave, and uh, I got a couple more book ideas. But I should probably finish the mailman one first. You probably I start should. a new project. It's a, good one. it's a good one. It's a good one. Yeah, yeah. But so I got I gotta gotta kick that back up. But the the story's all planned out. I just gotta sit down and write it. I know. Take the time. Wait, not now. Not in the no next. no no no. We got some not stuff. anytime soon. We got other stuff to do. Yeah. Uh, like honoring our patrons. Yeah, that's that's the biggest thing on the docket right now. I gotta 
cross that off my time block plan and I'm going to honor some patrons. Welcome to the patron of the week. Patrick, who are our multitude of patrons? That We've we got have. one new patron okay. this week. Oops. One new. Oops. Our streak <laughs> of more than three every week has been has been The broken. triple crown has ended. Secretariat dead, buried in Paris, Kentucky. But, but, thank However, you, Jacob Freund. Freund. Thank you, Jacob. For, Thanks, Jacob. for joining our Patreon at five bucks a month for thinking that this episode was worth a dollar. We really appreciate it. If you think this episode is worth a dollar a month, uh, sorry, if you think this episode is worth a dollar, please consider giving five dollars a month. If you think this episode is worth two bucks, worth a cup of coffee, please consider supporting us on Patreon at ten bucks a month. It really helps. If you give on Patreon, it goes towards our future endeavors. We've got a lot of good stuff in the can. And uh, this kind of thing helps keep the lights on here at the crunch. Absolutely, so it does. Yes. Thank so you, thank, thank you, thank you. You guys are great. But if you can't give, and we understand that, if you Wait, can't give, one of the can things... We tell, we, can we just say some of the things that people get if they do become patrons? Oh, yes, please. Go ahead and say some of the stuff that people get if they become patrons. Hey, everyone. It's me from the future. The day after Patrick and I recorded this episode, we had a late night chat where we, uh, very similar to if you've seen House of Cards, Frank and his wife staying up late smoking cigarettes plotting. Um, except not like that at all. It was just a phone call. But we uh, were updating our plans for the Patreon moving forward. So I wanted to, the way that I described it when we actually recorded was kind of scattered and not very clear. And I just wanted to make make it very clear what is going on um, and uh, give you some updates for some new things. Those of you in the Discord might have already seen something to this effect, but here's a quick recap. So at $3 a month, there's nothing special that you are that you get to do other than just support us. Uh, you get to buy us a cup of coffee per month, and we're extremely grateful for the people that can support us at the $3 a month level. Um, it, it is just the lowest tier of support. So thank you if you are able to join at the $3 a month level. At the $5 a month level, you get access to the Discord that is just for patrons. Now, there's several different channels within the Patreon section of our Discord. Um, the most important one for this conversation is you get access to our now weekly crunch lunches. So I've been kind of dabbling and doing crunch lunches every other week. But a crunch lunch is a live podcast that I do. It's kind of an interactive radio show where I'm live on Discord. And we have a specific chat for people on the Discord. And we're just, I bring a topic to the table. Sometimes we're telling stories. People are asking questions. It's very loose. It's really fun. Uh, we usually have about 14, 15 people in the Crunch Lunch chat uh, every single week. Likely we do those Mondays or Tuesdays. Um, I, I announce those based on uh, how my week shapes up. I'm going to try to stick to Mondays, but if you're in the Discord, I will always post the schedule in advance so you know what day it happens. In addition to being a member of the Discord and getting to see the weekly crunch lunches live, if you can't be there live, we will upload them to the private RSS feed that you get uh, for being a supporter on Patreon. In addition to the crunch lunches, the RSS feed, and the Discord channel, you also get access to any other bonus podcast material. So sometimes Patrick and I will record an extra 20 minutes or 15 minutes about something that doesn't make it into the final show. We'll have maybe a, a longer goof at the beginning that doesn't fit in. You will get access 
access to any of those other uh, extras that come with the recording of the podcast. So that's the $5 a month level. At the $10 a month level, now this is new, you now get access to our weekly video podcasts. Yes, this is, you've heard me correctly. Patrick and I are going to begin recording a video show once a week that will be uploaded just for patrons at the $10 a month level. Now, this program is going to be similar in nature to what we do on The Crunch. Um, It's not going to be a one-to-one, just an extra version of what you already listen to. I'm, I'm excited to see what that will turn into. So you'll get the video bonus podcast. That's every week you will get that at the $10 a month level. You will also get the audio for that. That will also be uploaded to the RSS feed at $5 a month. You won't see the audio for the weekly bonus episode at the $10 a month level. You will see that and then all of the crunch lunches and everything. You'll get all of the previous rewards. So that's the $10 a month level. And at $20 a month, we're still working this out, but we are planning on doing a special custom reward. We're still kind of tweaking it, um, but we should be able to announce it soon. If you'd like to support us at $20 a month, we really, really appreciate it. That's very generous of you, very kind. Um, there will be a special custom reward for people at those tiers in the future, but we are still working out what that will look like. So as you guys know, Patrick and I have been trying to make a big push to create more high-quality content for you guys to enjoy, to be able to share with your family and your friends. Uh, every single year we hear about people who um, who come into the church and they say, we came into the church because of your podcast. And it's like, no, you, you didn't come into the church because of our podcast. You came into the church because one of your friends showed you our show. And then that friend brought you to RCA. That family member brought you to RCA. And just the best value that we provide is, and we hear this over and over again, people say, I didn't know that Catholics could be normal. I didn't know that Catholics could be funny. I didn't know that Catholics had... Uh, you know, valid and interesting thoughts on things that I think about. And that's the kind of stuff that we want to keep making. We want to keep making content that helps you evangelize your friends. We want to make the crunch bigger and better each week so that we can be another tool in your tool belt to evangelize uh, the people that you love and the people that you know, in addition to making you laugh, in addition to, you know, challenging your own thoughts on things, sharing what we're thinking about. I mean, we really love you guys a lot and we just want to be, do what we're doing, but really, really well. So that's why we're doing this big Patreon push. That's why we've been trying to do Twitch. That's why we've been trying to be more active on the Discord and make it better and better because we really believe that there is a, a mission here that that we've stumbled into and we really believe in it. So if you can go to patreon.com slash the crunch, sign up for one of the four tier levels. If you are already supporting us, please consider increasing, especially to that $10 a month level. You're not going to want to miss out on the weekly video podcasts. Uh, I have a lot of really cool ideas of things that we can do with that particular show. And I think it's going to be uh, a really cool space for me and Patrick to kind of explore and challenge ourselves and try new things. Um, and, uh, Uh, find the edges of our creativity and see what we can all do with that. So you're definitely going to want to try and upgrade if you can. Um, And if not, thank you for your support that you've already been uh, at the tier that you've been at. And thank you for listening. Uh, That means more than, than anything that, uh, that I could ask. So thank you for listening. Please share this with, uh, with your friends, please consider joining the Patreon and uh, we'll get, right now into the review and then we'll see you in dr ethan's dating corner but just wanted to hop in and uh give you guys the skinny all right bye thank you to, to dp dog dp dog dp dog for leaving us this review uh entertaining and enlightening some pods are born great some achieve greatness some have greatness thrust upon them 
The Crunch has all three. William Shakespeare. Love the show, guys. Great quote. Love that quote. Thank you, DP Dog. My guy. Especially since we were talking about Shakespeare this week. Yeah, right? It's really cool. Make sure you leave us a review and support if us on we Patreon. Get, if we get to... We only need, can I just say, we only need four more patrons to do the Over the Hedge commentary. Just track, join. Which is, I am chomping at the bit. I am goosing for some Over the Hedge <laughs> commentary. Yes. You, that's, where, that's where you want to be. Do we, do we have a dating corner question? All right, you came to the right place, you ding dong. <laughs> It's called communication, baby. Hey, here's a question for the dating corner and for any married folks who feel equipped to answer. First of all, update from a previous dating corner question. Um, I was Richard on the episode Patrick's Ski Experience, which is from... 2021 that's a long, that's a time, long ago. time ago yes and i'm the guy who told you to stop drinking i'm the guy you told to stop drinking poison and move on from the girl who told me not now i do remember that I it was the guy that. it was the guy that was on the hook remember mm-hmm. he was like he liked this girl and he liked this girl i did re-listen to it but he liked this girl and he was like uh hey do you want to maybe date uwu lol jk unless and then she was like, I just don't know if I can date anyone right now. And you were like, no girl has ever been too busy to date someone they like. She doesn't yeah. like you. Yeah. 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 Um, nice. And, and good advice. Was, yeah. Good advice. advice, Pat. You, you gave her advice. Hand. And he said, well, I moved on and I'm glad nice. that I did. And Let's go. She doesn't talk. We don't talk anymore. And I'm not upset about that. It is where it is. I guess Wonderful. if she's not interested, so be it. I ended up moving on and pursuing someone different. You can give her a name if you want. Barbara. Barbara. I feel like I've done, I've done Barbara. I've done Barbara in the past. Hold on. Okay. Give me one more shot. Read it again. Read it again. I ended up moving on and pursuing someone different. You can give her a name if you want. Emily. Uh, she initially friend zoned me, but we kept hanging out because he didn't take our advice the second time. And <laughs> she confessed she has feelings for me. Let's go. Whoa. Dubs. Dubs. Wow. We've been going strong for eight months as of the beginning of August. The physical distance between us when we're not at school makes the relationship a bit difficult at times, but we can make time for the phone calls on the, uh, we can make time for calls on the phone and discord and we're praying together. Get Emily in the discord. Thank you. Here are my questions. At what point in a relationship should a couple start talking about marriage? Whoa. 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 (laughs) Don't put Emily in the discord yet. Uh, No discord before marriage. I've heard that around one year of dating is pretty good benchmark to start talking about getting serious, but I wanted to know what other experiences were. My girlfriend is a junior who will probably pursue a master's degree after college at the same college which I live 45 minutes away from. I'm a senior. So the logistics of getting married, uh, getting married and adulting, boo, millennials, getting married and adulting seems pretty complex with us being in slightly different stages of life. Um, that's not very different stages of life. Still being in college and anyway, doesn't matter. What are some good questions to start asking your significant other regarding potential marriage? Uh, their habits, their day-to-day preferences, their thoughts and feelings, um, etc. Either I want some crucial. I want to start having crucial conversations, but I don't know where to begin. I also don't know how to naturally start these conversations without being abrupt. I don't want to jump right into the heavy stuff at the risk of her being caught off guard or something. Maybe I'm overthinking. The amount of times we get questions that end like that. I definitely would like to know how other people have tackled these things and the methods they're recommending for going about it. Thanks, Richard. All right, Richard. 
So here's what you can do. Step yeah. one. You want to start having these conversations, you got to walk up to her when you're together in person because you're long distance. You need to lay down so that your face is right next to her feet. And when she says, what are you doing? You say, oh, I'm just seeing if I could handle sleeping in the same bed as you. I'm just testing this out. I'm just testing it out. I want to be okay being next to your feet while I'm asleep for eight hours at a time. Oh. <laughs> and then see how she takes that. And if she's like, oh, yeah, it makes sense, then you just propose on the spot. You just, she's you, obviously cool. You're yeah. going um, I don't think it's ever, if you're serious about what dating actually is, and if you're a serious person, you, it's never too early really to like discuss your desire for, for what marriage will be like. Sure. Because if you start talking about like, oh, I want marriage, my marriage to look like this, where, you know, we have, we have children and... Uh, you know, we we do these kinds of things, but not those kinds of things. And we do this, and we not we don't do this. And you would do these things, and I would do those things. Um, like you 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 need to talk about that, like now, you know, because if you don't have the same idea of what marriage is or should be, then you sh- you either need to figure that out, or you shouldn't date because yeah. You're just going to, if you just date and prolong those types of things, I'm not, and I'm not saying you need to like break up if you have a disagreement, not everything needs to be resolved right now, but you need to be aware if there are some deal breakers. Cause if it's like, you know, let's extreme example, you're dating a woman. She's like, yeah, I don't want to have kids for the first five years. You know, even if we have a, even if, even if we have a material, you know, availability to have children, uh, then that's like a pretty serious thing Yeah. where it's like, okay, I want to have kids right away. Hmm. What, what, like, let's, let's, we need to talk about that. I want to understand that. Sure. Um, and so you don't want to waste your time. You don't want to get two years into a relationship before you find out that the person you're dating, uh, like doesn't want kids or yeah. thinks that you should have separate bank accounts or like some other crucial thing that like will break up your marriage if you don't, yes. <laughs> if you don't talk about it. So I would say now, and if you haven't done it now, then yesterday, <laughs> those are the two times that you should have started. Yeah, talking you should, about you should start things. having the conversations. I mean, I guess don't jump into heavy stuff right away. Like no, what's your past trauma? No. Yeah. But just, you can even talk about an easy way to do this is to ask what their family was like growing up and then asking, did you like that? Or would you do something different? That's a super simple way to get, yeah, like, super did your family have dinner together every night? Oh yeah, we did most times. But like a lot of times we were all just watching TV or whatever. Like, Oh, did you like that? Or would you, would you rather do something else? And then listen to what they say. Yeah. That's <laughs> and, then a, they'll, yeah. and then they'll probably ask you and you can be like, well, we actually did this. And I actually really am passionate about all of us eating dinner at the same table every night. Yeah. You know, when it's possible. And a lot of and stuff then, like that, you'll find, you know, she grew up this way and you grew up this way and you care a lot about your family continuing that tradition or doing the opposite. And she cares little. And mm-hmm. so she's like, okay, yeah, we can do that. And, or there will be stuff that you butt heads on and it's good to like, you know, work that stuff out and talk about it. But yeah, yeah. remember it's not, you know, these, these hard conversations, bringing them up as much as possible. I remember I brought up the contraception question um, when I was one year into dating my high school girlfriend because I knew that was a deal. When I was, no, it was like six months in because I knew it was like, I knew it was a serious relationship. And I was like, yeah. I also knew that Protestants are all over the board on that sort of thing sometimes. And I yeah. was like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. Uh, it's, a mortal, you say? it's a mortal sin. She's like, oh yeah, that's, that's awful. I would never do that. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why you guys got married, right? Oh no! 
<laughs> See, sometimes it doesn't work out even if you work out even if you do have the hard conversations. Um, yeah. So smell her feet. Um, <laughs> talk- <laughs> All right, Dan Schneider. Yeah. Whoa. No way. Yeah, we got a real, real situation on our. We got a live one here. Uh, I, yeah, I I think that pretty well answers the question. Like, yeah. start start talking about it now. It's it's not going to be bad. You're going to regret it if you don't. Um, and it's only going to help because you're either going to be more deeply in on mission together, or you're going to realize that like, oh, we have a lot of things we disagree about. Maybe this isn't the thing for yes. us. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't matter that she's just a junior in college because even people who are juniors in college need to think about what they want in their vocation you know like it does so there's not an age requirement on that kind of thing so cool that's pretty good i like it great well um if you have a dating corner question that you want to submit please join us on discord bit.ly slash crunch discord bit.ly slash crunch discord go to the dating corner dating corner channel and uh, you can submit your dating corner question you might even get some answers before we go live with your question because that's what's happened i don't read them until uh ben puts them in the the document for me to read that's i don't read the discord you don't i read it but i do a lot of scrolling yeah i read it too and i comment i actually i think i talk more than you do on the discord you absolutely do i mean and there's i think everybody should join the discord because there's a great community and there's lots of people mm-hmm. and i just I, I just don't have the energy to respond to every comment you know so yeah. i just i don't want the community to be dependent on us no, certainly not. And I think it's not dependent upon us. Like people yeah. will just have conversations and talk about oh, all sorts so of things. It's amazing. And if you're not in the Discord, if you don't know what Discord is, it's not scary. It is no. literally just a group chat with different topics. And so it's one community of people mm-hmm. that have different channels to talk about different things. Yes. There's a channel for movies. There's a channel for evangelization. There's a channel for things that you do that make your life more human. There's a channel just for general chat. There's a channel just for memes that you thought were funny. There's a yes. channel for prayer requests. It is not a scary thing. It's like group me, but better. And yes. so if you haven't been on the Discord because you're like, I don't know what that is. I think it's dumb. I don't understand this. Why do they keep pitching it? It's because it's a really, uh, it's, really it's just thing. relatively new and it's really good. So I think you should join. That's all. I agree. I'm glad you agree. I It's 4.41 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'm going to get up out of this chair. I'm going to go lay down on a couch. Cool. And I'm going to put my face into a pillow. <laughs> and, and I'm just going to hoot and holler. for I'm going to go softly into that good night. <laughs> I'm going to go softly into the good night. Um, I'm going to ask the Lord that he grant me a restful night and a peaceful death. And I'm going to just holler for about five minutes. <laughs> and then I'm going to go on a date with my wife. That's nice. And it's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. It's good. Uh, it's a good podcast, fun, fun podcast. I like doing this, doing this podcast. Patrick, do you have anything else for the people? Does this make Plato the Chapo Trap House of Ancient Greece? Thank you all for listening. Please pray for us. We'll be praying for you, and we'll see you all next week.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.